0: Welcome to episode number 72 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. We're creating a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about dust explosion prevention and protection in Brazil. To do that, we have on the call Jay Juvenal, sales engineer at CV Technology based at Jupiter, Florida. Jay, I want to say a big thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your knowledge today.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on the podcast. the Joe Rogan of combustible dust I'm happy to be here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see Jay every once in a while out on on the trade show floors at the at the the shows and the conferences and stuff and he's always uh he's always a joker so that's good. He's always picking on me about the weather up here in Canada. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I,
0: I told him this morning that I sprained my wrist shoveling and uh he said, "Yeah, the snow is not good in Florida either." <laughs> yeah. Um, Jay is a graduate of the University of Florida. He's been with CV for going on 10 years now. And back in a couple episodes ago, I was interviewing Jason Kerbeck from CV and asked him after the the interview, you know, what topics does he think I should cover on the podcast that we haven't covered so far? And he mentioned that prevention and protection in Brazil has a lot of interesting aspects to it. And mentioned that Jay was doing a lot of work in this area. So I want to get him on the podcast to talk through that. So in this interview, we're going to talk about what is Jay's current role with CV Technology, what are the current status of regulations within Brazil how is combustible dust treated within this framework um, what industries is he looking at and, and what are some specific challenges to um, safety in combustible dust handling industries within Brazil so we're going to be covering that kind of gamut of topics. Jay jumping right in people know that you're from Florida and that it's nice <laughs> there now so that's good but uh, what is what is your current role with CV technology?
1: Yeah, so as you said, I've uh, been with CV almost 10 years now, and uh, I'm a sales engineer with CV, and uh, I'm spending about 50% of my time and efforts in the more developed markets of North America, managing certain customers and territories, and I spend about 50% of my time and efforts in the more emerging markets of Central and South America, where uh, I'm also managing customers and territories. However, it's more of a business development capacity in those emerging market areas, But really, in both of the Americas, my role and CV Technologies at large is the same, which is to bring awareness to the hazards created by combustible dust and to bring our clients into compliance with whatever regulatory standards applicable to them by uh, selling and providing explosion protection solutions.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So in terms of Brazil, then, what is is the status of, of regulations and compliance there?
1: Yeah, great. It's that's a good question. Um, throughout Brazil, there are similar safety regulations that we have in North America. So NFPA, for instance, they have their version of NFPA throughout Brazil, and it's called ADT. And these regulate everything from residential fire sprinklers to industrial spark detection, so on and so forth, just like NFPA. However they're not nearly as advanced or as, um, it reminds me, of course, I, I wasn't around at the time, but I imagine it was how the regulations in the US were maybe in like the 70s, you know, where they're just kind of behind the times on a lot of stuff and they're playing catch up as their economy develops. And when I, when we first started doing uh, business down in Brazil, several years ago, there was a new ABT and t committee that was formed uh, AB&T 80 that was strictly dedicated to combating combustible dust hazards. Things were progressing and we were, uh, you know, I sat on the committee uh, as well as uh, people from the industry, uh, other EP vendors, and we were getting a new document published. But I think what happened was funding dried up. And so the the committee ceased to meet and the document never actually got published officially. So there is that 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 committee no longer uh, is existing, unfortunately. So, in the absence of a local standard to follow, you know, companies differ in their approach to regulations. You know, for the big multinational companies operating in Brazil, you know, we talked before the show a little bit. You know, they're typically going to follow whatever their corporate mandated regulations are, and usually that's in reference to their home countries. So you know, uh, a big DuPont or a big US-based company is going to follow NFPA or take their spin on NFPA. But the intent is to follow whatever their home safety regulations are. And for European companies, it would, you know, be ATEX. But it's for the Brazilian companies operating, well, in Brazil, it's it's a mixed bag. And this is, uh, you know, I think we're the largest safety gap seems to be in uh, one of the biggest hurdles to get over as well.
0: Yeah. So just so I have the, the name right, that's A-B-N-T.
1: Right. Zero, eight, zero. Yep. And that's, uh, of course, it's my personal biggest challenge is that I don't speak Portuguese. So uh, that that's the English pronunciation of it. But I think it's N I can't even, I won't even try to say it in Portuguese letters, but that's it.
0: And so I have heard a bit about things like NBR sixteen three eighty five, right, and uh, and NR thirty one fourteen eleven. Are those in Brazil, or am I just not that
1: good in my, my pre show research? That's it. Yeah, those are sub subshoots of a, B, and T. So those are kind of like the um, thins from those. That stands for Brazilian Brazilian National Standard, I believe.
0: So those aren't actually in in place today or they're they're not being enforced as a as a regulation is that how it kind of works
1: correct yeah i you know i think the intent is that there's local fire inspectors that if you're building a new plant a new construction that those specific standards need to be followed and that seems to be the case you know if a new plant's being built you know we work with oems and there's a certain level of awareness and adherence to standards for combustible dust but it's you know for the existing facilities, I, I just I, I don't see the enforcement or anything like that.
0: Okay, that makes sense, and I appreciate you breaking that out because that that clarifies where my my brain was at. I was thinking of these other ones, uh, NBR sixteen three eighty five test, including testing requirements, classification. I've heard some of the difficulties there with how certifications done and and different things, but that's really on new builds. Yeah, I'd imagine on there's a lot more existing facilities out there in operation than there are new builds going on. Brazil's a pretty busy economic spot, right? Right. So how is then, is there a fixed treatment for combustible dust within the overall regulatory framework or is it really just kind of lacking at this stage?
1: Yeah, I, you know, it's really lacking at this stage. I think, you know, like I said, the big multinationals, they're going to do what they do anywhere around the world. You know, if they're building a... 200 million dollar plant in brazil they don't want to risk that financial disaster if anything were to happen and of course they have their corporate safety programs they don't want to put workers in harm as well um so the big multinationals of course are still going to protect using their their corporate standards but it's you know the the local brazilian companies and you know brazil's a huge market it's 210 million people you know it's still developing you know their per capita gdp is a fraction of what any any other developed country is but you know still there's a ton of business and a lot of production down there and a lot of that is Brazilian-owned companies and um, it's really kind of a crapshoot whether you know they're going to follow NFPA, Atex you know it it also depends on who they're talking to you know if they're speaking to me or my colleague Bernardo or local uh, sales and technical agents in Brazil you know we're going to tell them that nfpa 68 2018 edition is what they should be following that's how they should size their explosion vents but if they're speaking to you know a consultant maybe they don't know all the changes or if they're speaking to uh another ep vendor that's european based you know they might be saying something different and so there could be some wide disparities in recommendations because as you know there's a wide discrepancy between NFPA 61 and NFPA 62 and then you know not to mention you know VDI in Germany or you know all the other you know laundry list of regulations and all of the um the ambiguity that gets involved you know it's hard enough in the US just sifting through NFPA and let alone when you throw in you know all these other international standards that can get complex
0: You end up a standard spaghetti and trying to pull out the <laughs> Exactly yeah so okay we covered a couple of kind of things about you know, there is a difference between new builds and existing. There's a difference between, you know, really large companies that are multinational and and should be working towards, in most cases, are working towards their own internal guidelines and documentations that then would be representative of, of some set. Um, and then there's local companies. Actually, what you're covering. So if you're if they're trying to spec to Atex, if so they're trying to spec to NFPA, if they're trying to spec to nothing at all. In terms of the local companies, what are the industries that you're generally working with? Is there a subset of of industries that are typically present in brazil
1: yeah um you know so like i said it's a it's a big economy and so with that they have a ton of local industry i'd say the majority of the work being done for explosion protection is in the food and wood products you know of course there's 210 million people that's a lot of mouths to feed a lot of uh local food companies down there and so there's for both food and wood brazil is very rich in natural resources to accommodate both of those. Anybody who's a fan of acai bowls uh, like myself knows that uh, there's a lot of uh, acai and other uh, food, natural resources come out of Brazil. So that's a huge market uh, down there. And we do a lot of work there. And then also, of course, Brazil is, you know, (laughs) look no further than the Amazon, very rich in wood products. So you see a lot of uh, wood product processing facilities. And so there's a lot of work to be done there. And for reasons that I don't necessarily know, the pharmaceutical is also very large in Brazil. Brazil has a lot of that's one industry that I believe, you know, even developed countries like America will outsource pharmaceutical production to Brazil, probably for cheaper labor, I'm assuming. But that's a little higher on the scale of production. It's a more high tech production that's done in Brazil, because that's one thing you don't see you know you don't see some of the higher end automotive there's really really no automotive industry like you see for instance in Mexico that's that's a massive industry you know there's no aerospace that's also big in other you know Mexico for instance i think that's just proximity to america is where why those are big there not necessarily in brazil um but even you know more hot high tech more engineering involved processes like you know biomass i know in western canada that's also rich in uh wood resources in the southeast of the u.s rich in wood resources that's where a lot of this big uh biomass boom for uh lack of a better term pardon the pun is going on but i I don't think that there is the uh human capital necessary in brazil because building a biomass plant is not like building a sugar plant you know it takes a lot of very proprietary engineering that the human capital doesn't seem to be present there's not an expertise down there so um we don't see that but we'll we'll see some you know other residential wood production facilities
0: yeah it's good to good to go through that It's, it's it's good to understand the kind of differences geographically and globally of you know where they where they might have difficulties with combustible dust safety and one that we see, and I wonder if you deal with these industries, is because they have such a, a strong food and food production and wood and wood production. We actually see a lot of incidents at at terminals, at shipping terminals. So a lot of fires down there, and and uh, kind of conveyor conveyor belt fires, maybe explosions inside terminals. I don't know. Is that something you guys get into for for working with the the terminals and the shipping ports?
1: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. They're, I mean, they have some. Massive terminals that rival, you know, anything we have in Canada or in the U.S. That uh, just like in, uh, in North America, there's also the big multinational companies operating. You know, it looks like a full-scale production facility that's just for logistics at a a, a terminal, and we're uh, we're certainly doing work there as well. And that's also, you know, down in uh, Argentina as well. There's the same uh, same down there. They have a huge port, and that's actually where. Uh, Oh, it's been at least 20 years now. There was a massive grain explosion at uh, a port in Buenos Aires as well.
0: Yeah, and are you, you're working in those regions, of South America as well, in, in addition to Brazil? Correct. Yes, we are. We didn't really talk about this before the show, but is there, do you see a big difference between those different countries in South America and awareness of combustible dust safety and also how it's going in terms of regulating and in terms of, well, at the end of the day, in terms of getting safe systems put in?
1: yeah no, it's pretty much the, it's the same story across you know whether you know you're in Argentina or Brazil, or Chile, you know it's it, it's about the same story. It's just that Brazil is the behemoth down there, you know they're several times larger than any of those other economies, and so they have bigger pr- production facilities, but it's pretty much about the same story elsewhere as well and and but you know another It's also a a matter of how their economies are doing. You know, Argentina has not been doing very well at all. You know, uh, Chile, of course, has all kinds of civil unrest, same with uh, Bolivia. So it's it's also predicated on how the local economy is doing as well.
0: I guess you've mentioned a couple of these already in terms of, you know, no enforcement of the regulations. What are some other specific challenges that you're seeing and that you're encountering every day when you're down there trying to get safe systems put in?
1: Right. Yeah, sure. So for me personally, the fact that I don't speak Portuguese, that's probably the biggest battle for me, but uh, you know, a lot of Google translate. <laughs>
0: well, it's a real thing. There's a language barrier between the regulations and the worker, right? That's not a, it is a
1: barrier for you as well, probably, but there's. It... Absolutely. And, you know, just to give you a little anecdote is that flameless vent, like the word flameless vent doesn't really exist in Portuguese. So it's, you know, even when I'm working with my colleague here, who's from Brazil and speaks Portuguese, it's it, you, you kind of have to go through like several iterations before someone grasps what it is. So it's yeah, the semantics is that's that is certainly a uh, you know a human problem down there that there's you know chemical suppression. Like those aren't words that you know are uh, readily used in these uh, in some of these areas. So that yeah, that is, that is a problem. But other than that, there's really I think kind of like a five part what I've analyzed is kind of a five-part problem down there. Um, We've kind of touched on a couple of them. I shouldn't say problem, but hurdle. Number one being awareness. You know, even in North America, and I'm sure you can attest to this, I'm always amazed at how unknown, even today, you know, combustible dust still are. You build a factory and people are like, sugar, what? That's explosive? No way. And so you can imagine down in, in the more emerging markets, that it's, you know, really unknown to a lot of places. So awareness is a big problem. For instance, you know, we first started going down there. I've only walked into a plant a few times and been actually scared to be there. But we walked into a, it was one of the biggest, if not, it's one of the biggest pet food production facilities in Brazil. They have multiple plants, huge company making pet food. And we walked in, and there was a guy, a worker, that was hand feeding a bucket elevator with grains that had just been milled. So we're talking very fine. And he, as he was dumping it, he was completely engulfed. You could no longer see him in a cloud of dust. And not 15 feet away from him was a guy doing hot work on a piece of uh, production equipment. You know, welding arc fully available. And I, you know, we immediately were told the guy, Hey, you guys got to stop it. We're walking out of the plant and everyone there was like, you know, what's the big deal? No, no, no problem here. So, you know, that's uh, uh, just an anecdote example of problem with awareness. You know, that was a corporate engineer, you know, so from, you know, operation level up to corporate engineering, there's, there's a big problem with awareness but I'm sure the work you're doing, and I was actually going to ask you a question. Are you, are you able to track, you know, are do you see a lot of, you know, viewership or clicks or whatever from South America and Brazil on your uh, content you publish?
0: We do. Yeah. Um, I don't know the numbers I would say. So dust safety science is about 50% North America. So Canada, U S and then 50% elsewhere. And I, if I had to guess, I'd say traffic and things from, um, Brazil are around one or two percent. So, what does that mean? We we have ten thousand page views a month. So that means a uh, hundred would be two. Yeah, a couple hundred people a month, kind of tuning into to what we're doing from from South America. Um, podcasts sort of similar, and we do have some folks um, from South America tuning into the Digital Dust Safety Conference. That at the time we're recording this is coming up in two weeks. But the time this comes out will be uh, probably two weeks past or so. Um, so we do, and and. I hope to, um, in the future, target more geographically specific areas like India, like South America, like China, and and different regions. Try to split it up. Obviously, targeting China in one go is pretty tough. It's so big. Africa, um, because I think we can be very specific and really dialed in on on some improvements there. But uh, yeah, th- so yes, we do, um, and we're going to try to grow that as we as we we go forward well um, once you start the CV podcast, you can get me on. And we'll talk about that. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Perfect. So you mentioned awareness as a challenge. What else? You mentioned a couple others that you might have in mind as well.
1: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's really five in my in, in uh, my experience. And so awareness one, two, enforcement. You know, in North America, there's this omnipresent fear of OSHA in, in, uh, in the U.S. Uh, or, or local authorities coming into a facility and either writing a citation or taking an even more punitive measure uh to protect the workers at the facility and to um fine or 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 whatever the the ownership of the of that plant and that just simply doesn't exist in brazil as far as i know you know especially for like existing applications you know and so that's you know that's a strong incentive for north america you know for instance in uh, canada like I think it was in 2013 when in British Columbia, because of the beetle bug, you know, there was two, I think two large death deflagrations, one in Burns Lake. I can't remember where the other one was. Uh, Lakeland Mills. And that's it. Right. And as a result, uh, WorkSafe BC, I mean, they really took the bull by the horns and and cracked down big time. And still are even today. And, you know, there's companies you go visit up there that are, I wouldn't say terrified, but they're they're certainly aware that if they don't do what's right, they there will be repercussions for it. And uh, in in Brazil, that's just you know doing what's best for your workers will only get you so far. You know, I think that's probably a human condition where they need there needs to be some some uh, over overlords uh, directing you to do something. So that's a, that's a big problem or a big hurdle, I should say, to really uh, bringing the Brazilian factories into a, uh, a level playing ground as far as conforming to regulations.
0: Yeah. That's another challenge. Any other kind of challenges that you have in have in mind? You mentioned five, so I'm going to make you go through all five.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sure. Uh, Three is, you know, we touched on it is regulations, you know, without a unified regulation to follow, it's a difficult path. So it's the (laughs) spaghetti of, uh, Regulations, standard spaghetti, and it's even more pronounced when it's in a PA, BDIA text. I mean, it's anyone that is trying to do their best can get discouraged when it's, you know, it's like, my gosh, what do I follow? What do I do? So that's a problem. Uh, number four and number five are really more socioeconomic issues, but um, taxes. In Brazil, you know, if you've ever talked to any OEM that says that's trying to do work in Brazil, it's pretty much the first thing they'll tell you is that it's extremely difficult. And reason number one is the tariff issue. And, you know, it's a very protected economy. Uh, You know, us in the U.S., we're just now kind of getting our first first experience of what it means to be a protected economy, you know, where any steel coming in gets taxed 10 or 15 percent, whatever it was. But in Brazil, it's been like this uh, for years. And it's, you know, it can vary depending upon the products, the service, the importer you use, uh, but you know taxes can be 25% up to 100% of the purchase price. So you know that's of course a strong deterrent to import such products. And so if you know we sell a you know a valve for five thousand dollars, the company that's trying to buy it is end up might end up paying over ten thousand for it just because of the tariffs. So that's a problem. And, and there's really no, you know, if we were, if there were, if this was a $500 million market, we could set up a plant and be producing locally in Brazil, but it's not. So it's, you know, there's no one down there that's really making products. So us and everyone else is subjected to the same taxes. That's a say, um, you know, it's a problem and a deterrent for some people trying to do the right thing down there.
0: Well, it's probably a challenge to get, you know, when you just go get the local sheet metal guy to to whip you up a vent and, and throw it on the side of a, you know, if, if it's that expensive, then the, the lower um, non-scientific methods are, are going to be used and, and in a lot of cases used inappropriately and not be safe when they operate.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. It's, and it's not a piece of metal. It's usually a piece of uh, wood that's, you know, taped over the, over the dust collector opening. If, if there is. Or the back yeah. flap valve. Yeah, if there is right, something. Exactly.
0: Okay. Um, I I appreciate that one because it's one that you don't think about very often. But when I mention things like targeting Africa and targeting India and other economy, I'm sure that kind of protected economy thing's gonna come in where taxes do play a big role. And I I heard from the new builds, I've heard equipment certification must be done by Brazilian company. Um Metro, I have Brazilian Institute of Meteorology and Industry Industrial Quality. And the question is: Do they have the the capability and the technology to actually certify equipment? So that kind of plays in with the protected economy as well. If they're not letting equipment be certified externally and brought in, um, I assume because they want the the jobs and the the money of doing it in there, then do they have the in-house supply to be able to do that? So that's a really good one. It gets a big check mark for me for future thinking of of global economies for protection. Anything else on that one before we we switch over to the fifth challenge?
1: No, I think that that's pretty much the. That that does it.
0: Okay. And then the last one you mentioned was socio-economical as well. What's uh, that?
1: Yeah, it's just really the the economy at large. You know, uh, Brazil is still an emerging economy and, and, you know, spending, you know, explosion protection, not cheap. And spending money on explosion protection is a hard pill to swallow when a lot of these companies are just doing their best to stay afloat and not lay off workers. So they can't justify... Spending a lot of money and resources on, you know, essentially an insurance policy is one way of looking at explosion protection. So, you know, it's a problem it, that that's, that's hard. And, you know, certainly I, I understand we want to do what's best for them, but at the end of the day, they have, they're doing cost benefit analysis themselves and and the cost does not outweigh the benefit a lot of times of the explosion protection.
0: Well, I think we have that here in North America. And I say here, I'm in Canada, you're in the States, but in more developed countries as well, because most of the industry is handling combustible dust. And I can say this with, with some level of understanding because when OSHA did their uh, announced proposed, the ANPR for combustible dust, they looked at it, and I think it was half or seventy-five percent of the industries that were affected were all small medium businesses. So then the the big thing that comes back is well, how is it affordable? And and uh, my thing's always been well, let's answer the question: Is it affordable today? And if it's not, then let's come up with some innovations to to make it affordable. We haven't we haven't done that sort of measuring yet, or at least it hasn't been released publicly. If it has been done, um, but do you find that's a challenge in North America? And then I could see it being a challenge in in Brazil as well, where you have
1: even a higher percentage of probably small um, operators, if you will. Yeah. And even, and even the big multinationals though, you know, they're struggling just as much too, you know, so you'll see, you know, we'll work with a big company in the U S and they'll get funding immediately for um, an explosion protection product uh, project versus in Brazil, it drags on for years simply because, they don't get the same funding that a North American sister plant would.
0: Well, that makes sense. So I, we went through a, a, a quite a long list here. We talked about the history of regulations in Brazil. Talked about some differences between multinational large companies and local companies. Difficulties with different regulations: ATEx, VDI, NFPA. This uh, standard, standard soup or standard spaghetti, if you will, and, and navigating that. Um, the types of in, industries that are typically to be are typically present. Um, and and lots of challenges. Do you have any recommendations on ways forward in this region? I mean, boots on the ground is good and and maybe Jay learning Portuguese would be another helpful (laughs) start, but what else can we do as a community at large?
1: Well, there's, there's a lot more easier steps to take than that. I think uh, uh, even politics would be easier than.
0: You need the Rosetta Stone. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. But, you know, really boots on the ground, you know, uh, that's, Certainly the case, and you know we CV Tech and there's other there's you know uh, other EP vendors in the region that are doing their best to raise awareness, and so that that certainly helps. There's a couple of consultants that are really pushing for combustible dust as well that that we work with down there, and so just you know again probably I said it reminds me of where we were in the US in the 70s, you know maybe. Uh, the combustible dust regulations might be where we were 20 years ago kind of thing where slowly it'll be coming more and more of a known threat like it is here in the u.s where it's rare that people don't know about it more often than not people say yes we know we have a risk so uh just the gradual uh awareness gain uh that's one thing of course and then the, the you know the economy you know that's Obviously, that's a more complex question to answer, but they have a new president down there that's doing his, you know, his his number one objective out of the get-go was to get the economy back to where it was 10 years ago when it was roaring in one of the, you know, top emerging markets in the world. So, whether you agree with his politics or not is another story, but he's doing his best to get the economy back on track. Um and then, you know, kind of in regards to the other uh, raising awareness is the big, you know, global news story of the Valle Dam disaster down there. You know, that humongous dam that collapsed, killed hundreds of people. And now all those the execs at that company, it's, they're kind of coming home to roost because they just announced a couple of weeks ago, I think, that there's actually homicide charges being you know, they're getting subject to like homicide charges and prison time for knowingly neglecting to do the required safety regulation, whether it was a foreign regulation or not, they neglected to do that, they killed people. And now there's people are going to be doing jail time. So, uh, you know, that might also put people's ears up as well to, Oh man, maybe we really need to start taking stuff like this seriously.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned early on in the interview, the, you know, if you don't take the care, we'll give you the stick. Right. Um, and there's, there is more of that going on. Glo- like you see that a lot more in China now when the large explosions because they've had so many back to back to back for, for a long time now that uh, the higher up executives are getting charged. There's a, there's a case in the UK ongoing right now with a wood mill explosion um, with, with charges. There's a, uh, there's certainly been a couple of cases in the last number, last couple of years in the United States. Um, so we're seeing that, You know, and that's that's the ultimate that's the ultimate stick is you're going to be held held legally liable for negligence that you do on the job, which is so that's not the topic of this present this uh, this podcast because it's a bigger topic. The the question is if you were negligent in that way and caused death outside of work, then you would be held or could be held legally responsible. So. Is there a reason why you shouldn't be held with inside of work? And that's a complex question. It's not something we can answer here today. But the results are showing that there are cases where people. I mean, we had it in. We had a an eight year trial after the Westray. I think it was eight or might have been nine years after the Westray coal mine explosion here in Nova Scotia, um, which eventually was um, nobody was found legally liable from understanding, but had big wide sweeping changes in regulation in Canada. So that's coming more and more frequent it seems. So that may be something to watch out for for this for this landscape moving forward
1: as well right absolutely
0: and i yeah i don't even know if i like it like i guess if it makes things safer at the end of the day then it's good but it's all it's i don't know how i feel about it well we'll have to record another podcast episode about the, the legal
1: right yeah you almost want it to be done organically to change people's minds that they do it without the fear of getting thrown in prison but you know it's Human nature, I think, a lot of times that's that's kind of what gets the job done. I think.
0: Okay. Well, we yeah we've gone we've gone off track to a different place now. That's that's the second. <laughs> <in this series. laughs> we're we'll going a rabbit hole here, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think we'll we'll kind of close it off there on on this episode. We covered a lot of ground. Is there any last thing they want to leave the the listener with about explosion protection or you know what they should be doing in their facilities in Brazil or or abroad?
1: You know, I think just uh we're you know we're. You know, a CV technologies approach is to do whatever is most practical, you know. So we, we have all kinds of widgets that we can apply to a factory. And our, our job is to use what's most applicable from a financial standpoint, a practicality standpoint. So, um, and you know, half my job is educating people on what's required. And so that's really a lot of my time is done and, and my colleagues as well that work down there. So we're happy to educate. Any time on what's required and uh, free of charge. So we're, we're always available to do that to bring awareness.
0: And we'll include a way to connect with Jay in the show notes at com slash 72. I will probably include links through the CV website and, and uh, another way you can connect with the group there. So I just want to say thanks again, Jay. I appreciate your time. I know you're, you're a busy man in between Portuguese lessons to get a hold of. So no. <laughs> um, I do appreciate you taking some time today to talk on the podcast and go through through your experience with this.
1: Absolutely. Appreciate you having me. And uh, we'll be seeing you in Chicago in a couple of weeks, I think.
0: Yeah, we'll see you down there. Thanks, Jay. You bet. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney and Jay Juvenal, sales engineer at C V Technology, and we've talked about dust explosion prevention and protection in Brazil. We sort of covered the the gambit of topics here. We we talked about the history of regulation the ABNT 080 standard that was being put together, engineering guidelines, how that kind of fell through and just where the the status of standards are for combustible dust in in Brazil. We talked about a a number of the structural issues, things like having large companies and small companies, how they're different, having new builds and old builds. Old builds doesn't make sense, but new builds in existing facilities. Uh, We talked about the different types of industries down there and then we did go through a number of challenges. Um, Awareness, enforcement, the, the regulations themselves, not you know having something you point to to be the solution instead of having a bunch of different ones that are maybe conflicting taxes and and just the economy at large and the, the size of the businesses that are operating down there. Um, then we closed off with discussing some ways forward and some of Jay's thoughts on um, explosion protection, what industries should be doing first and how to improve safety in, in industries here in North America and in, in other parts of the world. So I was always I want to say thank you for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. We have a safe and productive week ahead, and I'm really looking forward to continuing to to bring experts from around the world to talk through issues in explosion protection and prevention every week through the podcast.